We've been going through uh, the different churches in the book of the Revelation, and tonight we'll continue that just for a few moments this evening, Revelation chapter 3. The book of the Revelation is, uh, sec- is made in three parts. Number one, things that were, things that are, and things that shall be hereafter. When John, the writer of the, of the book of John, of Revelation, he was probably a teenager when Jesus chose him to be the disciples. He outlived Paul by at least 30 years. Um, this was in, this, he's in his 90s, in AD 90 when he writes this. I'm not sure, I'm not sure how old he is, but it's in AD 90s when he wrote this. And so uh, he has been with Jesus. He's the only disciple that does not die as a martyr. All the others do, with the exception of Judas, who took his own life. But, um, but John was tortured, boiled in oil, put on the island of Patmos to be exiled from preaching the gospel. But while he was there, the Lord visited him. Jesus visited him and said, John, I want you to write about something. And first of all, in chapter 1, write about me. That's what he asked him to write. Write about me. He calls him the Alpha and the Omega. Uh, he's the one with the seven spirits that are mentioned in chapter 1. He said, write about me. And so he, he tells about Jesus in chapter 1. Chapters 2 and 3, he tells about the things that are. And these are seven churches in Asia Minor. And it would be modern-day Turkey. Uh, These churches were mostly all started, we believe, probably by Paul's effort in Ephesus. He stayed in Ephesus for three years, longer than he stayed anyplace else in his missionary journey. He taught at the school of Tyrannus. Tyrannus may have been a medical doctor. Some believe that he may have had an office or a school in Rome, and then he had one in Ephesus. But they used that school to teach and train um, preachers. And a matter of fact, when Paul in his last missionary journey coming through there, he said, I need to see the Ephesian pastors and elders. And they all came from Ephesus out to the shores of Miletus. And he looked them in the eye and that's where he said uh, to them, you know, I was with you night and day with tears, with the, uh, the uh, lying away of the Jews. And I kept back nothing that was profitable to you. But then he goes on to tell them beyond that, he goes, uh, I know I'm going to Jerusalem, and I know what's waiting for me, bonds and afflictions. I got more troubles waiting for me, and I got a rest waiting for me. He said, but none of these things moved me. He wasn't moved by people. He wasn't moved by pride. He said, I don't count count my life dear to myself, but I want to finish my course with joy. That's where he repeated the words that Jesus shared with him. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive that same passage He spoke to those men. Numbers of those men, no doubt, started these churches. And there were other churches, like the church at Colossae. Um, You you have the church at Thyatira, the church at Laodicea. Uh, Those are churches there, but there are seven of them. Each of them, I believe, some folks have taken these churches and have made them chronological ages of dispensations of time. And I don't, I think there's some, there's some, convincing evidence that that might be the case. I think if the Holy Spirit were to really be honest with us, I think he wants us to take them practically, to look at them and say, you know, these churches represent not just ages of time for God to give us information, but churches that are operating today that have these assets and some liabilities, commendations and some condemnation. And by the way, wherever there are churches like this, there are people like this. The first church is the church of Ephesus, and it was a great church. 
And it was, it was one that, this is 30 years after Paul died, and it's still going strong. He said, I know your works. You hate, you hate things I hate. You're holding the things, but one thing you are, you are a loveless church. You do things out of duty only. You, there's no love in the shine. You're loveless. You've left your first love. He said, I want you to remember. I want you to repent. I want you to recognize where you are and get back to doing the first things. And do it for the right reason, because of love. Two churches did not receive a, a, a condemnation, Smyrna and the church of Philadelphia. They were two churches that Philadelphia maybe slightly, he corrected them in one area, but, but, but Smyrna not. It was a lowly church. It was a church that had some issues that were put on them. And he told them, listen, I know what you're going through. I know the, the difficulties. I know uh, all that's taken place. And I'm going to be there with you. And it's going to last about 10 days. But you're going to have blessings and you're going to have rewards for being faithful in your place. Then, he, of course, goes to the church that is the, the loose church in the church of Pergamos. And this was a church that allowed infiltration of, uh, of worldliness. He hates the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And there's several thoughts about that. But one thing we do know is that Satan is a very good at infiltration. When he cannot confront and attack us in the front, he'll infiltrate us. He'll do the Trojan horse thing and bring the world inside the church. And this church was a loose church, and it didn't do the right thing in regards to that. By the way, when churches go from being fundamental to the truths of God's word and holding high standards and being soul winners to loosey-goosey churches where you come as you are and leave as you came, there's two bad things that happen. Number one, you lose relevance in your community. This world does not need another cheap imitation of itself. Whenever we start taking a left-hand turn and adapting world, worldly philosophies and get worldly in our Christian life, uh, we'll lose relevance and difference and distinction in this world, and you'll lose respect too. Number two, you'll, you'll crucify and harm the next generation. You'll, you'll hurt the grandkids. Your grandkids might go to one celebration service a week. You make those changes. Many of them will not even hear the true gospel of Jesus Christ. World will be way too strong for them. We'll lose the next generation. He says, look, the church of Pergamos, I got some serious things against you. Then he talks about the church of Thyatira. The church of Thyatira was a church that had allowed Jezebel, and Jezebel was not her name, but it's a type. Jezebel had some real serious issues. She introduced idolatry into the church. She certainly stirred up her husband, and she hurt the saints of God. And that's exactly, this is what Thyatira was known for. He said, I know you've got some good things, but you're allowing this Jezebel. You're allowing women to, to, to this lady to teach you and to bring in false doctrines, stir up their husbands, and certainly bring harm to the saints of God. And he told them, he gave them strong warning against each of that. Tonight we're in chapter 3 talking about the church of Sardis. Look, if you would please, at verse number 1. The Bible says, The angel of the church of Sardis write, These sing, saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works... And read the rest of it with me. And thou hast a name that thou... And 
He said, I, he said, and once again, each time the church, they approach the pastor. Jesus approaches the angel of the church, and that is speaking of the messenger of the church, the pastor, the leader. And he says to them, and he gives himself a, a different title on each one of those. Sometimes he's the one who is searching. He's the one who knows. Here he's the, he's the one of seven spirits. And, and this morning, the college uh, staff and faculty meeting, we looked at, uh, at Isaiah chapter 11. And I would encourage you maybe to write down that, uh, that reference beside this. But it refers to Jesus, the branch. And in chapter 11, you see he has the spirit of the Lord. He has the spirit of counsel and of might and of wisdom and understanding. Seven spirits are mentioned there in reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. I think he refers to himself there. It may be a stretch for some, but it seems like that I see that in that passage of Scripture. But he said, I'm, I'm the one, the seven spirits and the seven stars. And he says to the church of Sardis, I know your works. By the way, God doesn't have to wonder what's going on in your heart and my heart. He knows his church. He sees the heart of things. All things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. He knows my motives. He knows your motives. He knows what's going on in your Pandora, your Spotify, your Netflix. He knows what's going on in your text messages, your secret emails. He knows everything. There is nothing that's not known to God. And he tells them almost every time he comes to the church, he says, look, I know. I know what's going on. If it's good or if it's bad, I know. That's who he is. He's an all-knowing, omniscient God. And uh, we're not going to pull the wool. You can pull the wool over my eyes. That's pretty easy. I'm very naive. I might be able to pull some wool over your eyes, but we're not doing nothing with the, with the God of heaven. He sees everything. He says, I know your works. And he says, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. This is the lifeless church. They have a sign out front. They have people. They have cars in the parking lot. They have programs for the kids. But really, they got it all going on. They got the sign out front. They got the marquee. They got the, they've, got, they've got people. They've got leaders. They got an angel here, a, a pastor. He said, you got a name that you're alive, but as far as I'm concerned, you're dead. You've lost the truth. One of the ways to keep the truth is keep telling the truth. One of the ways to keep the gospel relevant is keep getting the gospel out. You want to remember a joke? Tell a joke. You want to keep the gospel relevant in your community? Keep giving the gospel. Some folks, some churches, you couldn't find the truth there with a flashlight. You could you go to the pastor and ask him. He doesn't know the truth. She doesn't know the truth sometimes. And, and it just, it's just it's gone crazy. He said, you've got a name that you're alive, but you're dead. You're a lifeless church. Look at the admonition that he gives him. If you would please in verse number two. He goes right quickly and just says, you're dead. You're a bunch of deadheads. You're failing to preach the word of God. Um, it, and by the way, this church could be a mega church. It could be a small church and it could still be dead. And sometimes you use methods of the world. You can build a crowd, but you don't build a Christ honoring church that way. It doesn't, it doesn't take a long time to build a Christ honoring church, a Christ honoring church. It takes, a, it takes a lifetime to do it. It's a continual work that must be done in partnership with the Lordship of Jesus, the leadership involved, and the partnership of all of us. Keeping things right. says, this church, it's lifeless. you got a name that you're alive. Uh, everybody thinks you are really you're got that going on. As far as I'm concerned, you're dead. And he tells them the admonition real quickly. Be watchful. Wake up. 
Strengthen the things that remain. You got some good things there. You're on life support. You're lifeless. Strengthen the things that remain, that, that, that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Then he says, he gives them a threefold challenge. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard. By the way, faith cometh by, hearing by, word of God. He said, remember what, where you came from, what you've heard. And hold fast, hold on to the things that you've heard. And repent, recognize you're going the wrong direction, you're dying. And if therefore thou, hast, thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief. And thou shalt not know what hour I come upon thee. And just, just let me just say this parenthetically real quickly. Each of these churches are types of churches. And boy, you and I, we want to be a part of a Philadelphia church. We want the good things that Ephesus had. We want the good admonitions that God gave the church at Smyrna. But the truth of the matter is, I find in every church there are examples of every one of these in the individual Christians. Some of you, you usher, you teach Sunday school, you sing in the choir, but you know and God knows you're a, you're a deadhead. It's, it's been a long time since you felt any spiritual fuzzy-wuzzies. It's been a long time since you sit with a sinner and shared the gospel. It's been a long time since you stood on someone else's doorstep. Long time since you considered making a bus call, following up with a Sunday school class. Long time since you've given anything sacrificially. You stay in your comfort zone, and he says, be watchful. Strengthen the things that remain. Remember how the word of God stirred you up in times gone by. Remember that. Hold fast that. Get back onto that rope and hold on to that thing. And repent. You know why? You know, when God gives us repent, what it, when he tells us to repent, what he's telling us is I'm giving you some time. I'm giving you some time to get it together. There are some folks maybe in this room and you're a Pergamos. You've, you've let more worldliness come into you. You're doing things, saying things, going places, doing things now that you would never have done. You're now spotted with the world. You're supposed to be in the world, but you're not supposed to have the world in you. And now you've got the world in you. And he'll tell them, repent. Some of us, we serve out of duty like Ephesus. He says, look, remember, return. Get the love back in what you're doing. Do because you get to, not because you have to. It's not a labor to be a bus worker. It's not a labor to be a Sunday school teacher. It's not a labor to go to a work day. It's an opportunity. It's, it's an opportunity to give, to participate in the things of God, to hand out a gospel tract. That's not a labor. That's an opportunity. These are things we get to do. Love motivates us to do that. Now he says to the church at Sardis, he said, look, if you're lifeless, be watchful. Remember what I shared with you. Hold fast to those things. Repent. If you've got some problems there, you find yourself lifeless, get it right. Dear friend, if you're here tonight, you're not sure if you're saved. You're not sure if you were to die, you go to heaven. Don't leave this room tonight without getting that taken care of. But if you are saved, be alive. Don't be lifeless. Don't be, don't be uh, just uh, negligent and, 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 and apathetic. Well, he tells them, look, if you don't deal with this and you don't repent, I'm going to come quickly and I'll just take you out of relevance. I don't know about you, but I do not want to be put on the shelf. 
The Apostle Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, lest I teach to others that I myself would be a castaway. Because I don't fight just to box the wind. I want to land a punch. I'm not running just to do exercise. I like to win. So I don't want to just preach to others and I myself be, be a, a someone who is no, no longer relevant in the work of the Lord. That's what he's telling about the church of Sardis. Let's look what he says also in closing. Verse number four, thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which has not defiled their garments. They, have not, they, they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. You know, I think oftentimes many Orthodox churches today, people who at one time were vibrant churches, I think often, and I'm going to use an illustration, I hope you understand this, but in years gone by, you could have got saved in a Methodist church. You could have got saved in, a, in the average Presbyterian church. You could have known the Christ in a Nazarene church. But as time goes on, the orthodoxy is taken over, the rituals have taken over, and they voted everybody in as children, baptized them as children, now unsaved people are making decisions. But oftentimes, even in those churches, there are some sincere people that are saved. And I think that we need to understand that. And there, folks, we have a precious family who've been coming here to our church. And uh, they've been listening on the radio. They live in, in Oak Park area, or uh, Oak Lawn area. And uh, they, they came, they said, you know, they started flying the rainbow flag at our church. So I've been going there for 30 years. I appealed, and it was just like on deaf ears said, something just doesn't sound right about that. So uh, we've been looking around. I've been listening on the radio. Thought we'd come see what the guy that talks on there looks like. said, you don't look nothing like we thought you looked. They've been coming. Our people have been ministering to them. I don't know their salvation yet. But, you know, something like that, sometimes there's people, and they say, boy, if you're in that situation... Get it straightened out. There's, there's some folks, even in, in, in those religions, sometimes who are just as saved as the Apostle Paul. He said, they'll walk before me in white, white garments. But look, if you would please, uh, at the next verse, and this is the closing part of this, verse 5, and he that overcometh. If you look at 1 John chapter 5, verse number 4, anyone who overcometh is someone who is saved. For those who are saved, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot his name, out of the book of life. Aren't you grateful that that can't happen if you're overcomer? You're saved. You can't lose your salvation. But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. And I'm grateful. This, any, every time you'll see this, you'll see it. Um, and if you're marking your Bibles, you'll, you'll see it in verse number, chapter 2, verse 7. He says, these are the promises he gives to those who overcome. And chapters 2 and verse 17, chapters 2 and verse number 26, 27, 28, and now in chapter 3, verse 5, he says, He that overcometh, I will not blot his name out. These are promises God gives to people who believe. He that hath ears, hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Let's pray together. Father, thank you.